Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 4 of Genesis chapter 10. We're continuing to look at verses 8 through 10. And Cush begat Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before Jehovah. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before Jehovah, in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Now, we've been discussing Nimrod and why God says twice in verse 9 that he was a mighty hunter before Jehovah. Now, we, we know that historically the man Nimrod was a hunter, just as Esau was a hunter. He physically went out with bow and arrow or whatever he used and hunted animals. But God is using that uh, action. He's using that picture of a man who's a great hunter in order to spiritually teach those that come with other kinds of gospels under the power of Satan, and even Satan himself, who hunt God's people as prey. And and uh, as we went to 1 Peter 5, verse 8 in our last study, the devil goeth about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking after man, not just any man. He's seeking after those men that are closely identified with the word of God, the Bible, and he wants to devour them. He's hunting them to kill them, to slay them. And we saw in Ezekiel 13 where the Lord relates those that are teaching lies, prophesying out of their own heart, to hunting the souls of his people to slay them. And we we could go to a couple other places. If we go to Micah chapter 7, it says in verse 2, The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. And there again is the word hunt. And it's not good men uh, because the good man has perished out of the earth. And it's not an upright man. It, It is the wicked man that lies in wait for blood and hunts the soul of his brother. They hunt every man his brother with a net. Or just one more place, in 1 Samuel 24, we have David, in 1 Samuel 24, addressing the king, King Saul. And it says in verse 9, And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that Jehovah had delivered thee 
today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee, but mine eye spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is Jehovah's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe, and killed thee not, know thou, and see, that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand. And I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. And there again we have this word, King Saul followed after David. And in the Old Testament, when we read of someone following after, that's the same word as persecute. And I think uh, there there is the same kind of agreement in the New Testament with following after and persecuting. And he was following after David to kill him. He had various reasons. None of them were true. But he was jealous. He was envious. He thought evil of David. And, and so he pursued him. He persecuted him. He hunted him, literally. He had his men, and when they heard David was in in a certain town, they went after him, and and they were going after David to kill him. David was the prey of King Saul, and King Saul is a picture of the corporate church, and David would be the body of Christ, as David is a type and figure of the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus Christ is seen through his body of believers, the elect, and and so the corporate church pursues the people of God to kill them. They hunt after the people of God. We we see this again and again, and and so um, it, it's not a good thing. It's not a positive thing in any way when we read that Nimrod was a mighty man. That has negative connotations. And then the Lord tells us he was a mighty hunter two times to draw our attention to it and emphasize it. And then we find, well, that's the nature of the enemies of God. It's the nature of the devil Satan himself, to seek to destroy, to to pursue with intent to kill. And so Nimrod is a picture of either uh, an apostate church, a church bringing other kinds of gospels, or Satan himself, or both. And it goes on to say in verse 10, And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Now, Babel, this spelling, B-A-B-E-L, is only found two times in a Bible, here in verse 10, and once in the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 11, in verse 9, therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because Jehovah did there confound the language of all the earth. 
and from thence did Jehovah scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So these two times it's spelled this particular way. It's um, Strong's number 894 in the Hebrew concordance. And yet it's the same word that's used dozens and dozens of other times and translated as Babylon or Babylonian. It's the identical Hebrew word. And so we could read this in the beginning of his kingdom was Babylon. It's the same word as Babylon. And and God pictures the kingdom of Babylon in the Bible as um, a representation of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, or of this world, the 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 world that Satan won the right to rule over through right of conquest when he deceived Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. And so this is further evidence that we have been understanding Nimrod correctly because when it says the beginning of his kingdom, the masculine pronoun is referring back to Nimrod. The beginning of Nimrod's kingdom was Babylon. And notice how it refers to a kingdom. This would have been early on. There would have been very few people. Nothing like a kingdom that would take place in later generations. Not in uh, in the numbers of people. Not in uh, the land area that was ruled over. It, it would have been perhaps a, a town or a little town or a little city with very few people. But it, that's why it says the beginning. The beginning of his kingdom was Babylon. And and so we can see, again, um, a strengthening of the idea that Nimrod is a type and figure of Satan because the Bible portrays the king of Babylon... And if this is the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom, if if God is referring to it as his kingdom, then that means he is the king. And he is the king of Babylon. And the Bible portrays the king of Babylon as a type and figure of Satan, of the devil. So I think that's what we see here. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech, and Akkad, and uh, I I looked up those words. Erech means to prolong. I'm not sure of the spiritual significance, but uh, that's what the word means. And Akkad is only used here, and it, it does not have any related words that I'm aware of, so I'm unsure of its meaning. Kalna is... 3641, it is used in another place or two. But I think all these speaks of Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kelna. Four places are mentioned, and four points to furthest extent or universality of what's ever in view. And what's in view? Well, Babylon, but, but all four were in the land of Shinar. And so this is the furthest extent of this kingdom within 
the land of Shinar. And Shinar is, well, it's a place, we'll, we'll look at how the Bible speaks of it. It's a place found in Genesis 11, in the first two verses. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And and so where was Babylon? In Shinar, in the land of Shinar. And shortly, they're going to build the tower and, and the city called Babel, in the land of Shinar. So we can see how Babylon and Shinar are closely related. And we also see here there's one language and one speech. You know, it's interesting that at the end of time, at the time of the Great Tribulation, once Satan was loose, that began the end stage of Earth's history. It began, really, the end of the world. In the year 1988, Satan was loosed out of the bottomless pit, and he entered into the churches to rule. Or another picture of that is in Revelation 13, when God speaks of Satan as the beast that comes up out of the sea. That's basically coming up out of the the bottomless pit. He comes up out of the sea. And let's turn to Revelation 13. It says in verse 3, And I saw one of his heads, as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. It Notice it's all the world. It's not many nations or most of the nations, but all the world. Verse 4, They worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth. Again, we saw back verse 3, all the world wondered after the beast. And now verse 8, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It is a worldwide event. It's a universal um, loosing of Satan, or it has a universal impact upon every unsaved person in all the world. And so we read in Genesis 11, verse 1, the whole earth was of one language and one speech. Basically, the the language of the world at the time when Satan was loosed was the the language of Satan. It's the language of deceitfulness and lies and and so forth. The 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 world began to come together uh, in a way, perhaps um, not seen since Babel, since the time before. God confounded the languages of, of mankind 
and before he divided the continents. And it was in the land of Shinar, or in Babylon, that man used to be one language, and it was one earth, and of one speech, and at the time of the end, the wicked of the world come together. You know, as the electronic medium has been a wonderful uh, source of delivering the truths from the Bible, and God raised it up for that purpose to reach the far corners of the earth when the church had gone apostate, and, and to expand the outreach of faithful ministries like Family Radio at that time. And and so God raised up the electronic medium, radio and internet and so forth. And yet it's also served to quickly deliver the wickedness of man. So, uh, for instance, in America, since America is chief in this particular sin, America has the greatest uh, ability and 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 has had the greatest influence upon the electronic medium. When America starts delivering uh, information about gay marriage, we soon see that other nations begin picking up this influence. Or if America men start wearing earrings and and dyeing their hair purple, pretty soon through television and movies and so forth, you see that this cultural influence is soon picked up in nations all around the world because the speeding up of communication, which the electronic medium has produced, has also served in wickedness to increase the world's wickedness and to bring the world together of one wicked mind in like-mindedness, but it's a wicked mind, and they come together in unison. Often majorities begin to form where they no longer have uh, any problems with this sin or that particular sin. And, and, and so it's, in a way, a restoration. It's a return to Babel and to the kingdom, the original kingdom of Babylon. And so God emphasizes at the end of time, Babylon is the nation we read about again and again in the book of Revelation and and uh, in other places in the Bible. But the, the land of Shinar is the land where Babylon is. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says in verse 11, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. And the Lord set his hand again that second time in the Jubilee year of 1994, when it was the time of the Jubilee, which is to set the captives free. It was the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The first had occurred in 33 AD, and when the Holy Spirit was poured out, then the church age got underway and the first fruits were brought in. But then there's always, uh, after a fruitful season, a time of famine. And so there was 2,300 evening mornings, 
no rain. The early rain was over and done with. First fruits had been gathered. And so for six years and almost four months, there was no gospel season in view. It was spiritual famine. But then on September 7th, 1994, the Lord a second time stretched forth his hand to recover the remnant of his people, to save the great multitude that would come out of great tribulation. And and so that's what's in view here, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush, and who is Cush? Ethiopia, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Basically, uh, this is indicating that God will recover his elect from all over the earth, from the four corners of the earth. And and so Babylon, which represents the earth and, and Satan's kingdom of this world, or Shinar, Babylon is within Shinar, is mentioned because God saves people. Remember in the book of Jeremiah, the, the picture of coming out of the church and leaving the church to go out into the world was to go into captivity to Babylon, to Shinar. Actually, we read in, I think it's in Micah, or uh, it might be Micah, that uh, God speaks of the daughter of Zion delivering in the field, which would be the world, in Micah 4, verse 10, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shalt thou be delivered. God's elect would be brought forth in in the world in that little season of the latter rain. Well, also in Daniel chapter 1, in the first couple of verses, we read of Shinar. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So there's an, an another identification between Babylon and Shinar. And, and this is the time when Nebuchadnezzar is assaulting Judah, taking captives, and bringing them back to, to Babylon. And again, we, uh, we know how God uses that imagery to typify the judgment upon the New Testament corporate church and ultimately the command to his people to come out of it. Well, just one more place that we'll look at in Zechariah chapter 5, where we'll find Shinar in view in Zechariah 5, beginning in verse 1. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying Roll, the length thereof is twenty cubits, and the breadth thereof ten cubits. Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth, for every one 
that stealeth shall be cut off, as on this side according to it, and every one that sweareth shall be cut off, as on that side according to it. The flying roll is a, a picture of the scripture. In ancient times, the, the word of God would be written on rolls or scrolls. And, and notice how, uh, it, it said, this is the curse that goes over the whole earth. Um, everyone that steals and what, it, what is stealing, but a transgression of the law of God or a transgression of the scripture is cut off on this side and everyone that sweareth, and that's another transgression of the law, is cut off on that side. Two sides. Like the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the word of God written on two sides, and it is cutting people off like a sword. It is destroying. It's bringing judgment. Well, it goes on to say, in verse 4, I will bring it forth, saith Jehovah of hosts, and shall enter into the house of the thief. This flying roll is going to enter into the house of the thief and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name. Now, it's already given away that this is referring to the house of God, the, the corporate church. And First uh, Peter 4.17 tells us that judgment begins at the house of God. The word of God brings the judgment, and the word of God is that which cuts off those that steal and and those that swear falsely they they swear they're a christian they they take an oath yes i'm a child of god but it's uh, false swearing and and also they're stealing and that's why it's called the house of the thief as the lord tells us in jeremiah Chapter 7, beginning in verse 8, Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. We steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Is this house which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith Jehovah. So there, the house called by God's name is a is a den of robbers. And a den of robbers is where you'll find thieves and those that steal. And so it's the house of the thief. They are not dealing honestly or faithfully with the Bible. And so they're conducting themselves as thieves. They're not going through the door, Christ, to enter into the kingdom, but they're climbing up some other way, like a thief and a robber. They're, and, and when gospels are presented that say, hey, walk down this aisle and, and say a few words like you accept Christ, or, um, do you want to say the sinner's prayer, or, um, say you believe in, and be dunked in this water, then you're saved. It's a den of robbers. It, it's uh, untruths 
they're trying to climb up some other way than the way, the truth, and the life through the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they're not going that way. Well, I'll just finish reading verse 4. And it shall remain in the midst of his house and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. And that would be the destruction of the house of God, not one stone left upon another. Uh, but we don't have time to, to read the rest of this. Lord willing, our next study will pick up here in Zechariah 5 and see how Shinar fits in. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.